and welcome to Legend. This is Sam. Hi, Mamie. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Heidi Ho. Heck yeah, we are. So I got a question for you. Let's hear it. What is your favorite scar? My favorite scar? <laughs> yeah. On my body? Uh-huh. I mean, I feel like as a mother I have to say my c-section scar but (laughs) like funniest story for a scar I have one like on the very front of my ankle on my right leg because you were with me (laughs) (laughs) I call it my stupid scar because (laughs) me and Amy and two guys that we were hanging out with at the time went to a creaked that we always went to to go swimming and dicking around and there was a metal or not metal a concrete like what do you call it like a barrier that goes know. out into the water it was like a maybe a spilly i don't know it was, yeah we just it just walked over it and it was all broken anyway yeah and it only went like maybe a quarter into yeah the creek but i was like fucking around and i like fell off (laughs) and it uh the water looked a lot deeper than it was and I just landed like you know on your knees but there was like broken beer bottles and shit all at the bottom and yeah I cut myself real good and then they all had to pin me down to put peroxide on it because that was so fun (laughs) uh it burned so bad but it was it was a lot deeper than I thought it was it was very deep. Yeah, it was. It was not it just a scrape. No, it wasn't. And now I have a nice scar from it. And yeah, that's my favorite scar. What was, is yours? Was that the time that one of the guys we were hanging out with, uh, his nipple got bit by a fish? Was that yes. the same day? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, was just a dumb day all around. It was. It was so funny. Uh, I have so many scars my favorite one is the one on my palm because uh when Lindsay was like one and a half she'd like crawl around on the floor a lot and I would crawl around chasing her (laughs) and there was like a glass that had been broken or something and a piece missed and I slammed my hand down on it and now I have like this weird sea state c-shaped scar on my hand oh super fun oh and then there's the scar on my head because i tried to throw a pole over the fence when i was eight did it fall back on you or um i like helicoptered it over the fence (laughs) you were like a ninja (laughs) so you know like helicopter blades spin around it spun around yeah I was trying to save my dog. I didn't want him to get hurt on it. Aww. <laughs> so you just hurt yourself instead. <laughs> yep. And then I went to the ER or an urgent care of some si- some sort. And there was a girl that saw me crying in there and tried to give me candy. Isn't not not in a creepy way. I was going to say. He was also for... a child. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. don't take str- <laughs> candy from strangers. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was super fun. Well, now that we got our icebreaker out of the way, 
those are always fun. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Today, I am going to cover Betty and Barney Hill. Do you know who they are? I feel like deep down I do. I'm just not putting anything together, except I keep thinking Betty and Barney Rubble. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like ever since you very first said that, I'm like, what does the Flintstones have to do with our genre? <laughs> That's crazy. I literally did not put that together whatsoever. I wonder if they're named after them. Um, If they are. I do not have the information. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Okay. All so right. I got a lot of this information from a documentary I watched on Discovery Plus called Alien Abduction, Barney and Betty Hill. Woohoo! So we're covering aliens. I so am I, down for aliens. I also used a few other sources as well. But the documentary was definitely the best source of information. And of course, all our sources are going to be on our website at thisislegendpod.com if you want to check it out. Betty and Barney Hill were a married couple who claimed that they were abducted by aliens on September 19th through the 20th in 1961. Their abduction story is often referred to as the first reported abduction in the United States. Cool. Betty and Barney Hill met at Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Betty was working there during the summer, and she had friends in Portsmouth that knew Barney. Uh, Barney had been married and had two sons, but had recently gotten divorced. After dating for a few years, they got married. Betty was a social worker who was extremely passionate about helping children get away from abusive parents, and she was also extremely outgoing and was said to love to debate people on topics which is the opposite of me. I do not want to debate you. Uh, Barney was an extremely intelligent man with an IQ of 140, and he wanted to become an engineer, but because of his skin color, he was told he could never do that. Rude. So, yeah, he can't become an engineer, but then he went and joined the army. So he's allowed to fight for this country that won't allow him to be what he wants to. Yep. Sounds anyway. about right. <laughs> so he joined the army where he served in World War II. And after being wounded during his stint in the military, he became a U.S. postal worker and became Uh-oh. an activist. <laughs> he became an activist with the NAACP for the civil rights movement. During their honeymoon, The Hills visited Montreal in Canada and then saw Niagara Falls. When they heard a horrible storm was coming, they wanted to hurry and get back home to Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire, so they decided to drive through the night. As they were traveling south on Route 3 through the White Mountains in New Hampshire, Betty told Barney that she saw an object in the sky that seemed to be getting larger and brighter. Oh, no. She looked at it through binoculars and realized that it had started to move. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. That's when Barney decided to stop the car, and they both got out and looked at it. Barney told Betty that he thought it was probably a satellite, but Betty insisted that it was not behaving like a satellite. I'm not sure how satellites behave, but... I, I don't know. They orbit. I do know they orbit. But Maybe I, they blink. I think they might. 
I don't know. Never <laughs> really thought about it. <laughs> um, then the craft flew in a circle and came right at them extremely fast. Seeing this, Barney realized it was not a satellite, but he was still trying to justify what he was seeing and came to the conclusion that it must be a passenger plane. Okay. They got back into the car and decided to keep driving home. As they were driving, Betty noticed that the airplane was following them. It was moving in a zigzag pattern behind them. And this made Barney think that it may actually be a military pilot. Why it would follow them, I do not know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But they got back to the car and they decided to keep driving home. Actually, they were already in the car, so I don't know why I put that. But So they were in the car when she was watching it. <laughs> Zigzag behind them. But as they were driving, Betty noticed that the airplane... Uh, oh, you know why? Because I'm reading the same freaking paragraph again. <laughs> It happens. It happens to the best of us. Well, anywho, (laughs) the craft followed them for approximately 30 miles until it suddenly got in front of them and stopped in the middle of the road. In the documentary, they described the craft as as flat as a pancake and as large as a commercial airliner. Barney stopped the car and they both got out. And he had the binoculars now, and he was looking at the craft as he walked toward it across the field. He says he got about 100 feet away from it, and it was hovering about 100 feet above him when he stopped walking. As he looked at it through the binoculars, he said he saw about 9 to 11 men looking down at him from the craft that were dressed in shiny black uniforms. They were gray in complexion, completely hairless, and had eyes that were larger than human eyes and that wrapped around the sides of their faces. Oh, that's crazy. Does this sound familiar? A little bit. (laughs) Um, If you've been living under a rock, or maybe also from another planet, (laughs) and aren't familiar with grays, they're a type of alien that is commonly depicted in pop culture. Grays are also referred to as Roswell Grays or Zeta Reticulans. And I need you to remember Zeta Reticulan for later on in the story. Betty, I will try. It's a hard (laughs) one. Betty and Barney Hill's abduction is what popularized this specific type of alien. Oh. So this type of encounter is called a close encounter of the third kind. I like the... Close encounter with the fourth kind. I was going to say, so if you're not familiar uh, and wonder if there's a first and second kind, there are. And a fourth. <laughs> and there is. There's actually up to a fifth. Oh, yeah. There, um, there would be. So a close encounter of the first kind means that you've spotted something in the sky and it leaves no evidence. The second kind is if a U. UFO is, is if a UFO leaves some physical trace like burns on the ground or you see broken branches. The third kind, which is what Betty and Barney just experienced, is when you've made contact with a UFO. You've seen the aliens. Um, and so if you're curious who made this classification system, it was an astronomer named J. Allen Hynek from Ohio State University. After J. Allen Hynek's passing in 1986, though, 
two additional types of encounters were created. The fourth kind, which is aliens have kidnapped you. And the mm-hmm. fifth kind, which is you have regular conversations with aliens. I mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> is it your dogs? Are they yeah. aliens? Well, I mean, sometimes it seems that way. <laughs> uh, so back to Barney. He says that after he saw the aliens aboard the spaceship, they all moved away from the window, except one. Then red lights began flashing and extending from the ship on long, thin poles. And not only that, but a ramp began to lower to the ground. He ran back to the car and to Betty. I listened to Barty's recounting of the story while he was under hypnosis, which is something we'll talk about later. Uh, When he was describing this, he said, Oh my God, Betty, they're going to capture us. After jumping into the car, he started it and took off trying to get away from the spaceship. As they were driving, Betty rolled her window down and stuck her head out of it to look for them. And she said that she couldn't see them anymore. But then they started hearing a strange beeping noise. At the same time, they both felt a tingling sensation throughout their bodies. And then suddenly there was silence. They said the silence was really brief, and then they heard another type of buzzing noise and suddenly realized that they were 35 miles down the highway from where they were. Wow. So essentially, they lost time, which is a common phenomenon um, with association to aliens and abductions. Yes, it it was a frequently discussed topic in the X-Files. Which I think I've said this before to you. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I know I've said it to you specifically. But the X-Files was surprisingly accurate in the way they depicted aliens and abductions and all of that. But they used real life documented abductions. So I just think that's really cool. (laughs) It is pretty neat. So after their strange night, Betty asked Barney if he believed in aliens now, and he said, no. How? If you saw them? I don't know, but he said no. (laughs) He was still trying to rationalize everything to himself. Once they got home, they were kind of dazed and out of it. Betty went to take off her dress, and as she was taking it off, she realized that it was ripped, and it was her first time ever wearing it. She couldn't remember how it had gotten that way, but she wanted to take it off and never wear it again because she somehow got the feeling that it was contaminated. The next day, Betty called her sister because her sister had a physicist as a neighbor and (laughs) she was worried that somehow she was contaminated. So she wanted her sister to put the physicist on the phone so he could tell her what to do. The neighbor told her to grab a compass and take it out to the car and see how the needle reacted to it. So Barney took the compass to the car, and as he reached the car, he noticed that the trunk had a bunch of strange silver circles all over it, that they were about the size of a silver dollar. And there's actual pictures of this, so... I was just about to ask. Yeah, there's pictures of it. Um, It looks... To me, it looks like all the paint was removed from the car, and it was like polished or something weird so when he would run the compass over these silver spots the needle would go crazy and then after betty saw that she decided that they needed to notify somebody about what happened to them 
So again, she called her sister, who just so <laughs> happened to have the sheriff over at her house for coffee. Oh, yeah. Just so happened. I know. I was like, that is a major coincidence. <laughs> her sister told the sheriff what had happened, and the sheriff told the Hills that they needed to report it to Pease Air Force Base. Yeah, it's like Pease with an extra E at the end. Hmm. Luckily, the Hills actually knew some people who worked at the Air Force Base, and so Betty called them, and then the next day, they heard back from a man named Captain John Henderson, who wanted a more detailed report of the experience. In the documentary, Henderson said that the night one of their... I cannot talk. (laughs) Henderson said that the night that Betty and Barney saw that weird stuff... One of their controllers at one of their towers also noticed a mysterious craft in the air around the same time Betty and Barney did. However, in other sources, I found that Henderson informed the Hills that they had probably just misidentified the planet Jupiter. (laughs) I don't know how you would do that. Jupiter was following them home and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Zigzagging around. Um, Either way. He forwarded his report to Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book is the Air Force Air Force's UFO research project, which we will definitely have to do an episode on them or on it. Sounds fun. Only a few days after the incident, Betty went to the library and borrowed a book titled The Flying Saucer Conspiracy by Donald Kehoe. Donald Edward Kehoe was a Marine Corps naval aviator and a well-known UFO researcher. He was the co-founder of NICAP, which is the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. NICAP is something else that the X-Files mentions quite a bit. NICAP is something else we should also do an episode on. (laughs) But they pushed hard for congressional hearings and investigations into UFOs. So back to Betty and the book. So after she picked up this book, she decided to write a letter to Donald Kehoe on September 26th. She told him the full story of what she could remember, including the creatures that Barney had seen in the ship from the binoculars. The letter was passed on to Walter N. Webb, who was an astronomer from Boston and part of NICAP. Ten days after... Their encounter in the mountains, Betty started having vivid dreams over the course of five nights. She dreamed of entities that surrounded the car, who take her and Barney onto the craft, and who perform strange experiments on them. In her dream, they apparently took Barney into one room and Betty in another. They did a simple exam on Betty where they were mostly interested in her skin, and she says that she felt like they were taking pictures, but Hmm. she didn't see a camera. She just felt like they were taking pictures they also had a large interest in her hands and feet to check her nervous system she said they were showing her animals and asking her to identify them like and not just showing her animals they actually had the animal in their (laughs) hands and they were asking her to identify them and when she finished identifying one she said they would just put the animal down And that she could tell that they had no intention of harming the animals. She also dreamed of a giant fiery orb in the woods. 
Betty started writing her dreams down to remember them, and she told her boss at work about them. Her boss told her that maybe those dreams represented what had happened to her in those periods of time that she couldn't remember when they were driving home. So Webb met with the Hills on October 21st, 1961. He did a six-hour interview with them, first interviewing them separately and then together. Barney and Betty told him everything they could remember from their experience. They explained what the aircraft looked like and about the humanoid men Barney had seen. Barney said that he was suffering from some sort of, quote, mental block and that what he thought there was more to what happened to him than he could remember, but he couldn't remember it because he didn't want to remember it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I would get that. Yeah. So after the interview with Webb, Webb deemed them credible witnesses. After reading Webb's initial report, the Hills were then investigated by C.D. Jackson and Robert E. Holman, who are also a part of NICAP. During the interview, they realized that they had lost about two hours of time. They say that it should have taken them roughly four hours to get home that night, but it had taken them six. Hmm. This is where the topic of hypnosis really started to come up. Barney was more resistant to the idea than Betty was, but eventually he agreed thinking that it would help put Betty at ease. They also started driving back to the mountains, trying to spark memories of what had happened to them. On January 4th, 1964, the Hills had their first session with Dr. Benjamin Simon. Dr. Simon was well known for his regression hypnosis, and he would use deep trance hypnosis on soldiers returning from the war to help heal their psychological ailments, PTSD most likely, that they had suffered from war. The Hills underwent treatment with Dr. Simon for about six months. So let's start with Barney's hypnosis. While Barney was under hypnosis, he was extremely emotional. Barney said that because of how afraid he was, he kept his eyes closed for most of the abduction and the physical exam that they performed on him, which I think is so freaking adorable. Like, it's sad. Like, (laughs) he's a grown man, but (laughs) I would do the same thing. Like, if I were in that position, it's like that whole. Really? Oh, I would be like. (sighs) For me, it's like, if I can't see you, you can't see me. Like, no, that only works when you're under blankets. That doesn't work. It just works when I close my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know. That kind of tugged at my heart a little bit. (laughs) Uh, He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but then feeling an irresistible compulsion to pull off of the main road and onto a dirt road that led into the woods. Once in the woods, he saw a giant fiery orb. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. And eventually he saw six figures and then the car stalled and the men approached them. He said that the beings could sense his fear and told him not to be afraid while they took them into the craft. Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) No, never. We'd never do anything. Yeah, so then Barney and Betty were separated. His clothes were removed from him, and he was told to lie down on an exam table. He said that they took skin scrapings from his ears and his mouth. And that it, I know, I don't get the ear thing, but, um, and it seemed that someone was counting his vertebrae. Uh, 
he said that some sort of tube-like instrument was inserted into his anus and quickly removed. And afterward, a this part is just strange. Afterwards, a cup-like device was placed on his genitals. He said he thinks they took a sperm sample, although he did not experience an orgasm. So, like, they just, like, milked him like a cow, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. Hope it was fast, like the tube in the butt, too. Yeah. Yeah, he said the tube was. I don't, he didn't say about the cup, but. That's just weird. Yeah. He also said that he could hear Betty having a conversation with them, like, from a distance, and she reported that they were having that conversation in English, but Barney said it sounded as if they were speaking in a language that he could not understand. And both Betty and Barney mentioned this detail in their hypnosis sessions. Oh, well, that's weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Betty's hypnosis session. Um, While Betty was under hypnosis, she remembered Barney taking the sharp turn off the main road and onto the dirt one that led into the woods. She also remembers the giant fiery orb and the men surrounding the car. Betty also remembers being told not to be afraid um, by the entities and that they just wanted to do simple tests, but she tried to kick one. (laughs) yeah she tried to kick one and in the process she tore her dress oh so explain it yep after they got control of her they took her into a different room from barney during her hypnosis she refers to the entity performing the examinations as the examiner she says uh that it asked her to remove her dress and then she goes on to say that before she could even get to like unzipping the zipper in the back of her dress the examiner unzipped it for her i don't know why that detail just stuck out to me but it did and after they were impatient yeah very impatient after she was on the table the examiner pulled out a long needle and she asked what it was going to do with that and it told it told her that it just wants to put it in her navel. It goes on to say, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I have a thing about belly buttons and touching <laughs> belly buttons and my belly button being touched. If you told me you were going to stick a needle into my belly button, I would shit my pants on that table. <laughs> and maybe they wouldn't want to do experiments on me. After maybe that. not. They'd be like, oh, this one's defective. but uh so yeah she's asked them what they were gonna do with that they said they just want to stick it in her navel and then it goes on to say that it won't hurt and then it sticks her um she said it hurt so bad and she was screaming that it hurt over and over um when another entity that she refers to as the leader came in and put its hands over her eyes and said it's all right and that she won't feel any more pain and instantly the pain went away she asked them what the needle was for and they told her that they had run a pregnancy test that is a weird way to go about that that is the weirdest way (laughs) you could just pee Um, which i'm sure she wanted to do because she was scared so 
She also does say that they did not make any sexual advances toward her. That's very good. So they were just doing all of this, it seems, for experimentation. During her hypnosis, Dr. Simon suggested to Betty that she should draw a sketch of the star map that she saw when she was on the ship. So in this documentary, you're actually like listening to uh, Betty and Barney like during their hypnosis. And so she was talking about this 3D model that she saw on the ship that had many, many points on it and many curved and dashed lines. So when she was asked to draw a map of this or recreate it, she only drew the ones that stood out to her. So when she was asked what the, or when she asked the entities what the lines were, they told her that the solid lines were trade routes and the dashed lines were less traveled to stars. Because there were these lines like going from place to place. And then we'll also talk about the star map a little bit later. So what did Simon or Dr. Simon think (laughs) of this? So he thought that somehow Betty's thoughts and dreams were being absorbed by Barney. He did not think that they were making it up. But rather, it was some sort of psychological thing that made them actually believe that they had been abducted by aliens. Weird. This was never mentioned anywhere, but, and I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but I was thinking maybe they suffered from folly ado. Have you ever heard of that? No. Sounds very weird, though. It's French. So folly ado translates into folly of two or madness by two. And it is a term for shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder. It seems self-explanatory from there, but Wikipedia says that, quote, it's a psychiatric syndrome in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. So I instantly, like, that's what I thought of because I've actually heard the term quite a few times in true crime. Mm. So maybe that's what was going on. I don't know. That was just my guess. Yeah, it could be. Or they could have been abducted. Or yes, of course, they could have (laughs) been abducted. But if we were talking like a psychological issue... Yeah, I I feel like that's could be what it is, but Dr. Simon never even said anything about it, so I don't know. Anyway, Barney and Betty did not agree with Dr. Simon's assessment, although they all agreed between the three of them that the hypnosis sessions had helped the Hills with their anxiety from the abduction. Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. After their hypnosis sessions, Barney and Betty went back to living their normal lives. Barney continued to be a speaker for the civil rights movement, and Betty went back to her job as well. They decided to keep the whole thing quiet so that it would not affect Barney's public reputation. Because he was, like, very involved in giving speeches in the church and everything else for the civil rights movement and the NAACP. Yeah, you don't want that to come out. Oh, he's crazy. He thinks he's Mm -hmm. been abducted. We can't believe anything he says. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. However, that was until October 25th, 1965, when a journalist named John Luttrell for the Boston Traveler printed a five-part series on their abduction and hypnosis sessions. Oh, where did he get all the info? They said that he broke some privacy rules, but I couldn't find any specific things. It was just a, like, offhand comment in the documentary. But um, John Luttrell decided, and also, this was, like, 1965. I don't know when HIPAA was created. I don't (laughs) think it was in, I think it was later than... 1965 i think it was in the 80s possible so but still he probably wasn't breaking really anything but anyway (laughs) just common sense you shouldn't go poking around like that but he is a journalist so yep that's what they do john luttrell decided to publish the articles even though the hills said no because he claimed that it was the public's right to know what there was an There was an interesting claim in the documentary about John Luttrell that I could not verify anywhere else. They said that Luttrell had interviewed 12 to 14 people about the night the Hills were abducted and they had observed a craft on this, uh, a craft of the same description in the same location and at the same time as Betty and Barney. Hmm. That's they, at least good that he found that out, right? It is, but there's no proof evidence yeah. of this. So I don't know. This is just something that was said. They claim that Luttrell wanted to add it to his article, but he didn't think it was necessary. So he <laughs> gave the files to his editor that had, you know, all the witness statements. And now the file has miraculously disappeared. Okay. <laughs> Because the article had come out, they were kind of thrust into the spotlight. And Betty and Barney felt that they had no choice but to come out and tell their story themselves. They partnered with an author named John Fuller, who helped them write and publish a book called The Interrupted Journey, Two Lost Hours on a Flying Saucer. Betty Hill's niece, Kathleen Martin, also wrote a book on their encounter titled Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. She was the main narrator of the documentary I watched, and she said that she was on a mission to prove her aunt and uncle's claims. At the time of the documentary, she said that she had spent the last 40 years trying to prove that it happened. Wow, that's dedication. It is. Remember how I talked about that star map that Betty had drawn under hypnosis and the term Zeta Reticulum? Mm-hmm. Here's where those two things are going to become really important. In 1968, an elementary teacher in Oak Harbor, Ohio, named Marjorie Fish, which is an unfortunate last name, I feel like, um, (laughs) claimed to have deciphered the star map and found out where the aliens had come from. She assumed that one of the 15 stars on the map represented our sun, She made a total of 14 models out of beads and thread until she found the one she thought was correct. I'm not going to get into the logistics of it because this woman's IQ was off the charts. She was actually a Mensa member. And if you don't know what Mensa is, it's essentially a club of super smart people. (laughs) It's a society, really. They have to score at least 98. They have to, yeah, score at the 98th percentile or higher on a standardized supervised IQ test to be in Mensa. 
So this bitch is smart. How do you even get to take an IQ test? I have no idea. And IQ tests have not actually been proven. So I they sound know. like fun. Yeah, I guess. Part of me really wants to take it. And then the other part of me is like, but if you score below what you want, you'll be really pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to know that I have like a super low IQ. Like, <laughs> that would be very uh, hurtful to my self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Marjorie felt that the only system that seemed to match Betty's map was the double star system of Zeta Reticuli, which is about 39 light years from Earth. Some interesting things that I actually didn't write down, but I'm going to bring up now, is that they were saying that they believe that there's, like, a sun like we have near this, and that they think there could be planets with the potential of holding life. Yeah. So... I don't know how true that is because the documentary I watched was very much pro Betty and Barney. I don't know if it would be true in that area, but it is true in several other areas. Yes. I'm just saying, I don't know about this (laughs) in particular. I don't know. It's just what the documentary said. And I'm just going to take that as it is. (laughs) So After coming to this conclusion, she sent her analysis to Webb, who agreed with her, and Webb sent her findings to Terrence Dickinson, who, and by the way, this is also a very unfortunate last name, (laughs) because it is Dick in Sun. Yeah, you've never seen that name? I I probably have, (laughs) but I just, it did not register. That's just I remember seeing it sometime while I was in school and going... How could they let that be a name? It's just so wrong. It's horrible. Sorry, Terrence. Um, but he was the editor of a magazine called Astronomy. Succinct. Um, right to the he, point. Yes. He did. I wrote he didn't not agree. <laughs> he did not agree <laughs> with the findings. But the magazine did invite a debate on UFOs. Carl Sagan, and if you don't know who Carl Sagan is, like, listen to his credentials. (laughs) He is a renowned astronomer, planetary scientist, cosmologist, not a cosmetologist, (laughs) astrophysicist, astrobiologist, author, and science communicator, which I don't know what that is either. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. So he and Steven Soder, and poor Steven Soder, he just gets, he was an astrophysicist, um, which is also very smart. (laughs) But they both claimed that the star map was little more than an alignment of chance points, which honestly, I could totally see. Like, there's so many stars in the sky, you could have just happened to find one that were like her points so you could have yeah but i will post a picture of the star map on our website and you can decide that for yourselves i will another interesting thing from the documentary is that one of the men talking in it i didn't catch his name so sorry guy (laughs) um 
He said that he personally examined Betty's dress. Other people had observed the dress and cut pieces from it to have it examined. And he said it all came back as organic material, but he didn't specify what kind of organic material. He just kept saying there's like a billion different organic materials out there. Yes. (laughs) He said that when he examined the dress, however, he turned it inside out. And when he did, he noticed a stain on the lining of the dress right in the area where where Betty's belly button would have been. He said it lines up, you know, with Betty getting that navel injection. He -hmm. said it was too high up to be from menstruation, but did not specify what the stain was. Was it blood? Was it saliva? (laughs) What was it? It sounds like he's implying that it is blood. That's what I thought because he said that about menstruation, but I was like, he never specifically (laughs) said it. So I was like, what? What is it? Uh, He wants you to decide. Yeah, apparently. So Benny and Barney Hill are now deceased. Barney died of cerebral hemorrhage on February 25th, 1969. So only eight years after. Yeah. That's really sad. I wonder if it was a complication from, you know, getting abducted. It might have been. Yeah. So he was 46 years old. While Betty lived until the age of 85 before passing away from cancer on October 17th, 2004, she had never remarried. Before her death, she had become sort of a celebrity in the UFO community. (laughs) They are buried beside each other in Greenwood Cemetery in Kingston, New Hampshire. And just a random fun fact that I wasn't exactly sure where to fit in. Was that after the abduction on December 12th, 1966, Barney appeared on an episode of To Tell the Truth. To Tell the Truth was a television show in which four celebrity panelists are presented with three contestants and must identify which one of the contestants who has an unusual occupation or experience has been read aloud by the show's host. When the panelists question the contestants, the two imposters may lie whereas the actual person must tell the truth so for barney's episode they were all pretending to be barney and they had to figure (laughs) out which one was actually barney that's funny i think that might be a show again because one of the days i was at the gym before i watched obi-wan every time uh there was a game show on but i could only see the captions but it was like a bunch of kids were lined up and you had to decide which one was telling the truth about something that they did. Oh, it's like two so, truths and a lie. Kind of. But the two truths or it was two it's lies, two lies and the truth. And, the truth. <laughs> yeah. and they're people, not just statements. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm going to get into the pop culture. Like I mentioned before, the X-Files used a lot of the Hills experience among other abduction experiences for their episodes. Elements of their abduction was also used in American Horror Story, Season Asylum, and Death Valley. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. There is also a plaque in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, commemorating the hills that reads, quote, Benny and Barney Hill incident, 
On the night of September 19th through the 20th, 1961, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, couple Betty and Barney Hill experienced a close encounter with an unidentified flying object in two hours lost time while driving south on Route 3 near Lincoln. They filed an official Air Force Project Blue Book report of a brightly lit cigar-shaped craft the next day, but were not public with their story until it was leaked in the Boston Traveler in 1965. This was the first widely reported UFO abduction report in the United States. End quote. Nice. So what do you think? I still want to know if their Flintstone characters are named after them or if it's just a really weird coincidence. I don't know which one came first. I should find out. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's see. I know that the Flintstones are old. 1960 is when the Flintstones mm. were made. So yeah, right right around that time. <laughs> yep. But... but I think they didn't come public until yeah, 1965. Yeah. Weird. So what a co dink. Right. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I wonder if they had an annoying son named Bam Bam. Oh, wait. No, they didn't. No, I don't think they had any kids, at yeah. least. I mean, he did. He had two kids from a previous marriage, but I don't know if they had kids together. Mm. I don't think so. I wonder if his kid was Bam Bam. <laughs> I don't I don't know, because he, he wasn't with Betty. <laughs> But could you imagine they were only married for eight years? Yeah. Before he died. Yeah. That's less than me and you have yep. been with our husbands. I could not imagine. Yes. That is. That'd be so hard. That's crazy. Yeah. And they were really awesome, you know, because there was not a lot of um, interracial couples no. at the time. So they were they were just trailblazing, trendsetting left and right. They did it all. <laughs> I know. They did. They did it all. Uh, I don't know. So, I could believe him. I I don't know. I feel like I do believe him, them, because I feel like why would they want to put that out there, mm-hmm. you know, when he's doing all this important stuff Yeah, and kind of make a jackass out of himself, especially at the time. I was reading that in the 40s, the government actually had like a written policy to just try to discredit anybody they heard talking about UFOs. (laughs) Yeah. Is that not crazy? Very weird. Yeah. So, I mean, they definitely would come off odd to people if they were just spouting off. Mm -hmm. I was abducted by aliens. And (laughs) I mean, also, you know, at the time, homophobia and all of that, he had something put in his Mm -hmm. anus. I'm sure that did not sit well with everyone. Probably not. They did not like that sodomy thing. No. So I just feel like, why? I don't know. I don't see. If they're making it up, why? Why they would. I mean, they're not going to benefit at all from it. No. And they did not seem like people that were crazy or anything like that. You know, they were very level-headed. He was extremely smart. You know, she was extremely caring. I don't know. I just, I don't see why. So I'm going to go with, I believe them. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let us know what you guys think. And of course, we would like your listener submissions. If you have any, we want to read them. We want to laugh. We want to be scared. Send them in. <laughs> you can send them to thisislegend at gmail.com. We have our website, thisislegendpod.com. And then all of our socials, Insta, Facebook, TikTok at thisislegendpod. Keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Goodbye. Peace.